Let's pray as we come to God's word. Let's put our hands out like this as a symbol of our receptivity. This is our symbol, God, that our hands are outstretched, waiting for you to come and bring what it is that we need to hear from you. So when we come to your word, we don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss what you have for us. And so by your Holy Spirit who inspired this word and shepherded it through the ages, that we have it today to be able to hear from you, by that Holy Spirit, God, illuminate it. That as we look at your word, we would hear from you, our God, who loves us, who sent your son for us, and who longs to speak. So come, Jesus. I think it'll be our joy to hear you. It's always a little scary but I know it's your joy for us to listen for you. So come as we open your word. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Friends, if you brought your Bible, um, I'd love to have you look at the 1 Corinthians 11 passage. Just want to do a quick reflection before we come to the table on the Lord's table and on unity. That's the context of the Lord's table, this passage that we read or that we quote when we're in front and we have the elements in front of us. We quote this passage where Paul was writing to the Corinthians and he was giving them instruction about um, that symbol of the Lord's table. Now, you may remember that the, the uh, early church celebrated both a love feast, an agape feast. They had a party, they had a potluck, essentially, and it, it really what it, what it was. It was a, it was a, I'm sorry, I can't help but to see Todd over here with a Get Smashed t-shirt on it. (laughs) Threw me off just for a minute, forgive me, Lord. They had a potluck where they, they, they shared a common fellowship feast. And it was in keeping with the way the Jewish and the, the Greek culture around them celebrated these fellowship meals, and they would, they would feast, and those that had a lot could bring a lot and share with those who had a little who would bring a little. And together they all had this celebration that was characteristic and metaphorical and symbolic of God's abundant blessing on everybody. And that God was in their midst and that they were united in relationship and in love relationship. They called it an agape feast. In Italian homes, we just call that dinner. It's just (laughs) lots and lots of food and love. But they also then did this ceremony that that was uh, reminiscent And it was patterned after Jesus, the last supper that Jesus had with his disciples, which was a Passover meal. And he invested new meaning into it. And that's where they broke the bread and poured the cup and said, this bread, remember this, this bread is a new, is my body broken for you? So he said, do this, do this ceremony in remembrance of me. And then he had He had passed the cup, and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. They poured the wine. They passed it around, this common cup, symbolic of a shared experience. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. There's a new agreement now. Before we were under law and judged by works. And now my blood has provided forgiveness and cleansing for all sin, for all time. And so this covenant, this blood is now the new covenant. It's a new agreement. He said, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink 
eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, I guess you're probably putting the scriptures up there, maybe, didn't you? But that was the, that's what Jesus did at the Last Supper, and then they did this with their feast. So they had a big meal together, and then they did that feast. And I, let, me, let me just read those scriptures again. I think you had it up there, 1 Corinthians. For This is what Paul said to them. He said, for I received from the Lord, but I also passed on to you. This is what Paul got. And when he says he received it from the Lord, he, he probably didn't receive it from the Lord in his vision, because, of course, he didn't meet Jesus personally. Paul didn't. But he got it from the Lord and the Lord's disciples. He said, from what I received from the Lord, I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When you do this ceremony, you're saying, Jesus died for us. And then when you come back again and do it again, you say, and remember, Jesus died for us. And remember, Jesus died for us. And remember, Jesus is the Savior. And remember, our sins are forgiven. And so the church, over and over and over through the centuries, the centuries proclaims this message every time they pour the cup and break the bread that Jesus Christ has died for us. And it is an anchor for us about the greatest foundational truth that we live by. You get it? That's what we do. And that's why we read it every time we're together. But upon, in, in reflecting on that, and I thought this is a good season for us to reflect on that, we, we need just a couple of reminders. We need this reminder that there's actually some verses before that text and some verses after that text that are really intense and rather interesting, and they're around the idea of unity. Because what happens is we tend to find ourselves at the table, if we're not careful, saying, thank you, Jesus died for me. Thank you, Jesus died for me. And we make it a private spiritual experience, which it it is, right? I mean, it's your Lord, and it's your decision that you've made to follow Christ, and it's him saying, I noticed you, and I chose you to come be in a relationship with me, and to be forgiven, and to be with me for eternity. Like, it is very personal and very spiritual. But there's this unity piece to it. There's this collective piece to it. It's more than just a private spiritual memorial. It's about the gathered body of Christ. It's about God's people doing this together. It was expected when Jesus set this up with his small group of disciples, and then the church followed through with this big agape potluck and this ceremony of the bread and the cup. It was expected that they would do it when they were gathered together. It was always going to be something they did together because it lacked its full meaning to do it by oneself. It's a, it's a unity piece, and that's what the verses before and after are about. Because Paul, unfortunately, had some not very good words to say to these Corinthians about it. If you go back to verse 17, he says, In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Can you imagine the heartbreaking message that Jesus came to a church, and uh, Paul came to a church and said, You know what? You're, you're doing more harm than good. That'd be an awful reality. That terrifies my soul. But why? He said, in the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. Verse 20, so that when you come together, it's not the Lord's supper that you eat. For when you're eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. Here's the point. Here's what was happening. It was this love feast, this agape feast that was symbolic of those who had would bring it and those who didn't would bring very little. And all together they experienced, supposedly, 
the provision of God and the presence of God in their collective midst. On their own, they didn't have what they needed. Together, they had what they needed. And they would come together and share. And the, the idea being that the ground was level before the cross. But clicks started developing. And people started saying, I, these are kind of my people over here. And so, listen, let's you and I get over in the corner with our little love feast. And we'll share our goodies over here in the corner. And those that were poor were even then more ashamed that they didn't have something to share with everybody else, and then they didn't have enough, and there were these cliques and divisions all over. So rather than the idea being that we're all Jesus's people, there became divisions and cliques and resentments and judgments and shame, and, and it was exactly the opposite of what this deal was set up in the first place to do. And Paul said to the Corinthians, what are you doing? That's not what this is about. And that picture of some of you have gone ahead with your own private suppers. It's not private. This isn't a private meal. This is about us being together. This is about relationships in the body of Christ. After the passage that I read you, verse 27, he says some other things. He says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread or drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink, listen, without discerning the body of Christ, without respect to the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And the text goes on to say, and some of you are experiencing that kind of judgment. He said, that's why some of you are sick and some of you have even died. He said, there's some things not going well in your lives because you're experiencing the judgment of God because you're eating and drinking judgment on yourselves because you've forgotten this gathering idea. Wow. We tend to think about my own personal relationship with God and my own, this is my own thing. This is my own walk. This is my own spiritual memorial and my own choice to follow Jesus and my own salvation that's been accomplished and that's awesome and I found it. Yay. And he says, you don't come to the table and just spiritually, privately remember, you, you come with everybody else. And you come discerning that there's a body gathered. And if you don't, you're missing out so badly that God's going to bring judgment. And judgment unto repentance. That discipline will then lead to repentance and to health and life. And that passage goes on. It ends up being as positive as it can get after he says, you're, you know, God's judging you, losers. I mean, it gets a little more positive. But the Lord's table is a memorial of what he did for me, but more it's that he called us all to be in this relationship with him together, and that's the picture of it. Unity, friends, is not individuals who walk with God just getting along. You know that? We think, oh, our church is unified. It's so great, mostly because we don't have any major Hatfield and McCoy sort of wars right now. Unity is more than Christians just getting along. It is a group of people who share a common Savior, a common Lord, and therefore a common calling to reach the world together. That's unity, not just getting along. So a couple of thoughts as we come to the table, and just in a few minutes... Uh, not yet band, but the band's going to come back up and they'll lead us in some worship. And we're actually going to be able to move forward to the tables or back to the tables and come to take communion together. 
And as you prepare for that moment, I want you to reflect on a couple of things. I think the Lord's table calls us in these passages to a few things. Number one, it calls us to examine ourselves. It says that in verse 28, right? Verse 28, um, it says examine ourselves. Thanks, Todd. And the ushers will help us get those ready when we're ready to come forward. Sorry, I wanted to read it. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And I just want to let it stand like that for a moment because examine ourselves in general is always a good idea. Just examine ourselves. We need to stop and to think, what's going on with me right now? And before we even just stretch it too far to talk about what it's, what it's about in terms of our relationships with one another, it, it, is, it is a good idea to examine ourselves before we come to the table. In general, I mean, the Psalms, you know, have Psalm 139, where the psalmist says, search me, O God, you know this, right? Search me, God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there is any offense in me, any sin in me, any sinful way in me, and lead me in the way of eternity, and lead me in the everlasting way. There's this call as believers with the Spirit within us to live an examined life. Because we're to be obedient, filled with the scripture, and repentant of our sin, rejecting of our flesh and accepting of the spirit. This is what we do as believers. So we all ought to examine ourselves for sure. And so before we come to the table, and we ought to be thinking, Lord, am I, am I living the way that I was designed to live? Am I responding to you, God? Is there a way that you've shown up in my life and I haven't given thanks? And I haven't reflected on what it means for me. And I haven't listened for what you have for me in that thing. Am I examining myself today and saying, I am your servant? How am I doing with that? And take the moment and take the opportunity to confess and to come to the table. Well, Lord, you died for me. I receive your forgiveness. I'm all in. I'm not holding back on you. Yeah, for sure we do that when we come to the table. And that's very individual uh, because it's your sin and it's your relationship with the Lord. By the way, we should be living that way daily. You know that, right? It's not what we do when we come to the communion table once a month. I mean, some of us engage in a spiritual discipline called a prayer of examine, and that the, some form of that is morning and evening, the morning saying, Lord, where did I miss you today? Where did you show up for me and I didn't hear you? where did I show up? Where did you show up and I didn't recognize that it was you that was showing up? Does that work for you? What were you trying to say to me and I wasn't able to hear you today? God, I don't want to go to bed without having heard you. A sin to confess, an attitude to get my head around, an obedience that I need to make right tomorrow because I didn't do it today. And in the morning, Lord, show up for me today and my heart ready to engage with you and follow you today. What do I have to learn from you in this moment? The prayer of examine. You know who's great at prayer of examine is our pastor Art. Conscious of his own ability to get in there and screw up his own life and everybody else's. And saying, Lord, protect me from that. In fact, by the way, I'll just parenthetically, I'll send you his greetings. He's on vacation in San Diego and was flying up to make our morning and to make um, our meeting today. And at 4.30 in the morning, his flight got canceled. And he bounced around from flight to flight 
and United made mistakes. I got you booked on an Alaska flight, got over there. Alaska said they did it improperly, go back to United. He went back to United. They go, oh, that last seat's gone. All over. He couldn't get a flight out that would get him here early enough for our meeting today. And uh, he said, please convey. I've done everything I can. I've been at the airport for two hours. I finally talked to him at 6.15, and he'd been messing with it for two hours and couldn't get a flight out from his family vacation. And then you know what he said to me? If you were here last week, you remember? He said, Lord, what is it that I would learn from this experience? Drive. <laughs> Drive. <laughs> what is it that I would learn from this experience? that I wouldn't have learned without this challenge in my life. That's a prayer of examine. I've got to drive if there's any chance that it's not going to happen. Of course, we examine ourselves. The other thing, the next thing that I think, it's not only do we examine ourselves, we examine ourselves with regard to our relationships, our relationships together in Christ. We're, we're examining ourselves, but we're examining ourselves with regard to our relationships in Christ. Verse 20 said, uh, it, it's not the Lord's Supper you're eating, you're you're making your own private meal. You're having your own private supper. You're not examining yourself with regard to your relationships. You're not saying, how am I doing with regard to these people in this room and my relationships as a child of God next to my brothers and sisters in Christ, in the family of God? How am I living according to that? And verse 29 went on to say, you know, you have to discern the body of Christ. You have to eat and drink knowing that the body of Christ is gathered. How do I examine myself with regard to the body? Friends, some of these obvious things come up, right? I mean, it is for sure. Am I holding something against somebody in this room, in our body, in our fellowship? And this is an opportunity for the church to renew itself and to repent of that every single month that we take communion for you to come and to say, man, my attitude is lousy again over that person, over this thing, over the church. Some of us carry angst over the churches we grew up in, and it's 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years old that story is, and we come and we bring that burden into church. And the Lord may be saying, it's time to let that go. I'm handling that church. I got it. I got it. I know that. I know that truth. I know that church, and I love them more than you can imagine. Let me go take that. But we examine ourselves with regard to our relationships and go, Lord, is there anything that I need to make right? But it also is, we examine ourselves with regard to whether we are in relationship and the quality of those relationships. Have I been the real me? Have I engaged with these people? Are they engaging with me? You know, and mostly it's about just plain old self-centeredness that we fall into. I mean, I just think it's so interesting that Paul said, you know what, when you live like this, it's not the Lord's Supper then that you're taking. You're just eating a piece of bread and drinking a cup. That's not the Lord's Supper. You're not sharing in the fellowship of the saints. You're not, it's not the Lord's thing you're doing. You're just doing ritual. It, do you fall into just doing ritual? Whether it's this or whether it's the preaching moment, or whether it's the songs on the screen, or whether it's showing up at 10 o'clock, or 10 after 10, some of you in the back. Do we just fall into ritual which satisfies a self thing? I did my deal. I checked my box. I showed up, and I did my religious thing. He goes, that's, you know what? And with regard to the table, 
that's not the Lord's Supper. You're just having a private moment without any regard that you are part of a movement of our risen Savior, Jesus. Do you hear the difference? And so we come and we examine ourselves with regard to our relationships in Christ. Am I part of the body of Christ? Is there something in the way that I need the Lord to heal, that I need to make right, that I got to take care of? And, and or am I coming, living basically sort of a, an island unto myself? And the last thing that the Lord table, Lord's table calls us to Examine ourselves with regard to our relationships in Christ and remember that the church is about Him. The table calls us to remember that it's really about Him. It's not about, unity is not about getting along, we said that. And this isn't just about a private spiritual memorial. It's about coming together and saying the church is the gathered group of people. The church is God's people gathered who are about Him we're told in the words of institution, as they're called, that we, we do this together as often as we meet to proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What's our message? We get along. We're an awesome club. Is that our message in communion? We're a church that most people, most of the time, mostly enjoy coming. Now, we're the gathered, spirit-filled followers of a risen king who is mobilizing his people to love the crud out of Marin County. That's what God calls us to do and to grow in our relationship with him. And so when we come together, it's about, it's about examining ourselves with regard to our relationships and that where our relationships are defined by being under one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, the Lord Jesus Christ. One thing we're about, friends. And so if we forget and we come to church because it's a warm fuzzy and we enjoy it and we check the box or I have three friends here or whatever the deal is, all that is at best a very beginning. It's about being under the Lordship of Christ together and figuring out how do we discern that? How do we hear it? How do we live with one another? How do we do this? So as I invite you to the table and band, why don't you come up? As I'm going to invite you to the table in just a moment. In the midst of these two worship songs, we have some time for you to make your way. I want you to consider some stuff. Now, again, another parenthetical. We know this is chaos. We know you think, oh, geez, I'm, I'm in the middle. I got four laps to climb over. <laughs> the aisles are too narrow. We're waiting in line. It's awkward moment. I run into people on my way back. Should I do go back out and then walk all the way back down? That's like doing a whole lap. <laughs> do you understand that we get it? And we do it on purpose. <laughs> I, it wasn't a joke. <laughs> we do it on purpose because it shakes us and reminds us that there's a process, an intentionality of examining ourselves with regard to our relationships in Christ and that this is about him and what he has done and the journey, the physical movement imprints it and gives us the opportunity to do the work as we make our way. And so as you make your way, examine yourself. Search me, O oh God. I want to live with no unconfessed sin before you. I guarantee no one here who prays that 
will come up empty. Like, oh, no sin in my life. I'm good. But as we make our way to the symbol of our forgiveness, we remind ourselves and settle the deal that Jesus has taken care of that sin. So we examine ourselves, and we examine ourselves with regard to our relationships in Christ. And my friends, ask yourself, am I faithful, God? Am I faithful to play my part in being the person that I need to be in this movement that you've created called Marin Covenant? And some of you are at the beginning of that, and it's okay that you don't know what that looks like or where, but are you saying, lead me on, God? And some of you at the end of that journey, and you know what that looks like, and you know what it looks like to check the box and to live selfishly and nobody knows it, but do you reorient on your way to the table, examine myself with regard to my relationships in Christ? And all of us, friends, come and worship on our way to the altar because he is the one who died for us, who made it all possible. So encounter the Christ who has saved you as you come to the table. Examine yourselves and ask yourselves, am I God's person? Am I giving to them, receiving from them, and engaged? And if you find the answer is no, confess that to the Lord and decide today, all right, I'm going to figure out what that means for me. And, um, and we'll get you the help that you need to do that. So stand now as we come to worship with music. And whenever you feel free, come forward, have a cup, piece of bread. You can take it right at the table. You can take it back to your chair. We're going to want you to pick up the cups later. That'd be helpful so that the hotel doesn't have to do that. But come as the Lord leads you to the table of the Lord. This is his body and his blood for you. So